Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Chapter 15, The Quidditch Final. May I have your attention, please? May I have your attention, please? Will the real weird sisters please stand up? We're gonna have a problem here. We're the weird sisters, we're the real weird sisters. All you other weird sisters are fine, but not the Vickers. Will the real weird sisters please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. Hi, and welcome to the Real Weird Sisters. I'm Alice. And I'm Martha. And today we're here to talk about Chapter 15 of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. I'm really excited because I really enjoyed the chapter. How about you, Martha? Yes, it was great. I just actually just finished it right before we started recording. I was kind of slacking today, and um, I'm sorry. But um, yeah, it was an emotional ride for me. I'm still kind of coming off of the tears I was shedding at the end of the chapter. So Did you uh, <laughs> did you remember the chapter having been so good? You know, like I t- remember telling you, like, it's a great chapter, and you were sounded a little bit surprised. Well, I remember that sentence of uh, if Harry felt like he could have produced the best Patronus ever, or whatever, how the chapter ends. Like, I remembered that it was a very, very happy ending, but I didn't remember exactly that, you know, Ron and Hermione make up, and you know, I forgot that this was the chapter where Hermione slaps Malfoy. Um, So lots of great things that I had kind of um, forgotten happen all in the same chapter. Yeah, and at the end, I remember, yeah, the Patronus as well. I mean, Harry doesn't actually cast one. It just says he he felt like he could cast one. And if he had, then we know what Lupin would have said. That was quite some Patronus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so anyway, um, yeah, the chapter was actually pretty jam-packed. There was a ton of stuff in it. Yeah, not, not in that many pages either. No, it was, I mean, it was longer than some of the ones we've had recently, I guess, but it was not a super long chapter. Exactly, yeah. A lot of action. Um, yeah, it starts out and I guess it, it picks, we left off on this cliffhanger of finding out that Buckbeak is going to be sentenced to death. And yeah. This is, this is really sad. Hermione has the letter and she shows it to uh, Ron and Harry and Hagrid's like cried all over the letter so the ink is completely smudged out yeah it's really and sad I like how they do the special effect of that in the book yeah me too it actually looks really cool it actually looks like it's been cried on um, mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't know if the British version or the um, other international versions have look like this um, but in the American version at least they have looks like uh, seven little tear marks that sort of smudge the writing um, yeah. of the letter. I just like that a lot because it gives us an idea of what it looks like, I guess. Yeah, and it makes it even sadder. But yeah, Haggard's letter is really depressing. He's like, uh, we lost. I'm allowed to bring him back to Hogwarts. Execution date to be fixed. Beaky has enjoyed London. That's the worst part. <laughs> it really is the worst part. I think... Another 
part that sort of uh, hits you right in the heart is that it's dear Hermione. It's just direct, it's just for Hermione to read. And he says, I, I won't forget all the help you gave me. I mean, Hermione's yeah. the only one of the three who actually helped Hagrid with this um, rough time. So I think that, I mean, Harry and Ron are immediately reminded of that when they when they read the letter over Hermione's shoulder. Well, good. They sort of need to have that reminder. I know. This is a great wake-up call for Harry and Ron um, in this chapter, and we see immediately after that they they redeem themselves, I think. Yeah, and so actually this this letter actually sort of inspires Ron to not be such a jerk anymore. Yeah. Um, because Hermione's saying, like, I don't see why anything will be different with the appeal, because says, she says that Buckbeak will have an appeal. And that... Uh, and then Ron chimes in. He's like, yes, it will. You won't have to do it all alone this time, Hermione. I'll help. And that's sort of, okay, that's really nice the way he says that. But at the same time, like, that's the only apology that he gives. I know. So, I mean, it's just this very, you know, this is who Ron is. This is who Hermione is. Hermione immediately hugs him, starts sobbing, and she she actually does apologize. She says, I'm really, really sorry about Scabbers and Ron doesn't outright say, I forgive you. He doesn't outright apologize, but it's, it's very clear that they're, they are back to being friends. He, I, it's just, it's who each of these characters is, and it definitely shows that, you know, their maturity, um, the differences in, in that, and then also just, you know, who they are, I think. Yeah, I mean, Ron, you know, he's he's pretty nice here, and you can tell he is sorry, but he kind of, like it kind of does make it then seem like it's Hermione's fault that they right. were in a fight because she apologizes and then he's like, well, it's it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, he's like, he gives an excuse. He's like, well, Scabbers was pretty old. And, yeah. Yeah. And useless. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. It just, I'm glad that they make up, but it's a little bit frustrating that Ron never really takes any blame for the situation. Yeah, it is frustrating. I think, I mean for one thing it's a maturity thing and then also it's just Ron's feeling really uncomfortable here because Hermione's you know hugging him and has her she's probably like crying all over him he pats her awkwardly on the head which is hilarious uh, but I think Ron's just not quite as comfortable or as in touch with his feelings as Hermione is with hers true um so yeah the, after that scene which is fairly heartwarming uh it goes into the care of magical creatures lesson which is their first opportunity to talk to hagrid because it says that the security measures in the castle are so intense which we talked all about last chapter right yeah you know the doors have recognized sirius black and there are security trolls (laughs) that's really gonna keep them and all the little nooks and crannies have been boarded up by filch yeah now the now they can't go out the mouse holes to go visit hagrid (laughs) exactly um but yeah so harry i guess harry ron and hermione are talking to hagrid about the verdict and it sounds so depressing like his hearing he's like got all tongue-tied they were sitting there in black robes and i kept dropping me notes and forgetting all them dates you looked up for me hermione oh it sounds really sad if only Hagrid had, like, a court-appointed attorney, I think he would have done a lot better. Yeah, I think so. Obviously, they don't have uh, any kinds of uh, right, to, uh, right to a jury or whatever, right to an attorney the way that the American Constitution has. Right. Yeah, because they could have spoken for Hagrid, and Hagrid wouldn't, it wouldn't be, like, based on Hagrid's public speaking skills that Buckbeak's <laughs> sentenced to death. Right. But yeah, the... So anyway, Hagrid's kind of, like, giving an update on this, and then... 
Harry and Ron realize that, or Harry, Ron, and Hermione realize that Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle are eavesdropping. Mm-hmm. And they're being so rude. They're being awful. I'm, Malfoy's like, look at him blubber. Have you ever seen anything quite as pathetic? And he's supposed to be our teacher. So rude and unnecessary. Um, Crab and Goyle, of course, are not even saying anything. They're just I like... Know. They're probably just sniggering. Yes, as usual. <laughs> but, of course, uh, this is a fantastic moment for Hermione. Yeah, um, this is... So, this is when Hermione comes forward and slaps Malfoy across the face, and the, he definitely deserved it in this moment. Oh, for sure. But it, it's in the movie, it's quite a bit different, isn't it? What is... What is Malfoy saying that Hermione slaps him? Uh, I don't remember exactly how it is, but it's not the same um, scene. I know that. I feel like Definitely might... not the same timing, because in the movie, it's it's like way closer to the end. Oh, it's the same day, I'm pretty sure, because they're, yeah, they're a... wearing the same outfits, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, it's the same day that they're going to be, like, going and rescuing Buckbeak. So it's, I mean, this is, like, way earlier in the book. Yeah, I, th- I think, I'm trying to think exactly what Malfoy does to set Hermione off. He, he might be talking about Hagrid in the movie. I don't know. Yeah, he might be still talking about Hagrid. It's just, like, way later on. Yeah, I think, well, as as it is in every Harry Potter movie, the story's just a lot more condensed. Um, So I think right. I think maybe it, it is the same thing, but it's just on a different day. Uh-huh. Like, I don't think in the movie they have both the hearing and the appeal. It's just right. like one trial. Which kind of makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> kind of drawn out in this. True. But... So, yeah, I think it's really funny to see, like, everyone's reaction to Hermione hitting Malfoy. Like, first of all, Malfoy just kind of, like, rolls over and dies, kind of. He's just like, okay, let's go. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he's a coward. We can agree on that. Right. But it's weird that he doesn't, like, do anything about the fact that Hermione hit him. Like, he doesn't even go tell any teacher or anything. He must be embarrassed. Uh, Yeah, I think he's embarrassed that he got hit by a girl, and then also he's just kind of so taken aback that this just happened. He's just yeah. immediately like, oh, come on, let's go. Yeah. They just disappear. And it says that Ron looked stunned and impressed. Yeah, he's like, and he's goggling Hermione, it says, too. Uh-huh. Um, and then Hermione's just like, Harry, you have to beat him in the Quidditch final. Yes, she's like... And you... she doesn't She doesn't offer, like, any excuse for a reason why she just did that. Yeah, I think, you know, we can understand it's, you know, just all of these emotions that have been pent up inside Hermione for such a long time um, since the fight with Harry and Ron, or especially Ron, but, you know, she's finally back with her boys, and she's, you know, releasing some of that pent-up anger that she's had inside of her for the last few months. Right, totally. It's just, it's it's funny, because, I mean, it, it makes sense why she does it, but it, it's pretty out of character with Hermione, and she never really... Can you think of any other times in the whole series when she flips like this, or, like snaps no i mean i think there are a few more moments like this in the movies like i'm thinking about like when she snaps at, like so, so like just because you have the emotional range of a teaspoon even though it's different in the books you know the way she says uh-huh. it and then she starts cracking up ha 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 but yeah um i think yeah we don't have we don't usually see her actually being physically aggressive um in terms of her um snapping sometimes she'll be a little bit snippy with her words but actually slapping somebody i don't think we i can think of another instance of that well i guess there is the scene when she sends that shower of birds at ron oh yeah of course that is that is a a memorable one 
so it's kind of the same, but not not quite. I don't yeah. know. I don't think it's, it is it's almost exactly. like it's almost like more impactful the fact that she doesn't use any magic. She just actually flaps Malfoy. Yeah, I think it is it is even more that way because you know she is a, an extremely capable witch, but I don't think everybody always is intimidated by her um, physical prowess. But this is she's showing she she can do anything. <laughs> That's right. Um, so anyway, they they go off to charms and they're like, we better hurry. And they somehow then lose Hermione along the way. Right. And a lot of the times when this happens, she's doing the time turner, but it turns out she just like has gone up to the common room. I guess she just like wandered up there, like head in the clouds. Yeah. Well, I kind of think she did do the time turner to go to a different class. And then she forgot to do the time turner after that class to go back to charms. Yeah, maybe that's it. Because it says that they lose her, like, right in front of the charm's door. So I'm pretty sure she was actually going somewhere else. You know, I, I don't know. I still get, I get really confused when I think about the time turner. But I think... I, Me I don't too, th- because I don't understand... Like, what I don't get is how, like, clearly in... Okay, and I know people are going to get annoyed at me because, like, I'm really bad at understanding time turners. But mm-hmm. it just doesn't make that much sense to me because, like... I guess it. I don't get how, like, you could not go to a class and then go do the time turner and then all of a sudden, like, it erases everyone's memory that you weren't there. Well, okay, I, maybe, I think I, I understand that part a little bit better. Like, you you don't erase their memory, it's just, it's, yeah. th- that timeline never exists when she's not there. Like, right. she gets there in the right amount of time that nobody sees her show up and she's there for the class. It's just she's she's actually in three places at once in different timelines, but it's all taking place at the same time. Yeah, it's just confusing. It is confusing. So Especially I, when it's something as mundane as going to class. I know. And then, <laughs> so this is why it's a little bit confusing as why as to why she couldn't now use the time turner and go to go to uh, charms. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, okay, you're right. I think maybe because people have noticed already that she wasn't there, and I don't think that she, you can change... Actually, because, you know, when in Hermione's secret, the chapter where they actually do the, all three of them, or no, just Ron, Ron sick, so it's just, not sick, hurt, just Harry and Hermione go back, um, and it, she's able to do that with, it's just Harry, because, yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm not articulating this well, I kind of get it in my head, like, she's able to, to recreate the timeline with Harry because the two of them are both doing it, but because there's already been this timeline where, it, it, okay. <laughs> I I understand it. I think like I feel like I understand it, but then when I start talking about it, it doesn't make as much yeah. sense. I know. I mean, I get it in theory. It's just weird. Like, at what point you're allowed to use the time turner and not like because in like what she does every time is she goes to a class, then she flips the time turner and goes to another class. Right. And somehow then they they happen simultaneously, even though. She went through the whole class before she used the time turner. I know it, it, it's weird. Like it's not like she's. It's not like she pushes a button and is like, "Okay, I'm." It's fr- time is frozen, and I'm going to go to all three classes. Right. It's like she after one class, she goes to another class. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where the more you talk about it, the less it makes sense, and that you just kind of have to accept that it works in this way, and it doesn't work in such and such way, so. Yeah, that's uh, true. I'm just but, getting more and more confused, and I feel like, I mean, this is definitely not our strong suit. We've we've uh, said that before, that the time-turner stuff just kind of goes over our heads, but, um, 
<laughs> I think I maybe maybe I have less trouble understanding it because I think about it less. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I've always just wondered like why Hermione like why it doesn't work for her to now just go back and do charms again and it would just erase everything that had happened. Yeah, I don't think but, we're going to reach an answer to that. <laughs> no, me neither. Uh, but it's kind of funny because Harry and Ron are like speculating like what happened to Hermione. They're like, you don't think Malfoy got her, do you? <laughs> yeah, like, they, I mean, that would be kind of a logical conclusion after what, yeah. the last time they saw her. That was what, what, what they saw her doing. So I can see why they right. might think that. But it's kind of sad for Hermione because she misses a really good charms lesson. They did cheering charms, which sound fun to me. Yeah, they're all, like, in a super good mood after that. Yeah. Um, But they go back up into the common room, and Hermione's just, like, passed out on the table. She's like, is it time to go? Which lesson have we got? (laughs) (laughs) Poor Hermione. You really, I feel really bad for her here. I mean, I kind of feel bad for her. I don't, like, feel that bad for her. It's kind of like of her own doing yeah but she's so burnt out i feel bad i feel bad but i feel a lot less bad than i did for her when she didn't have any friends yeah okay that's a good point (laughs) um but yeah it's funny because she's like was professor flitwick very angry yeah as if professor flitwick (laughs) even cared Can you picture Flitwick even getting angry? <laughs> no. At a student, like, especially Hermione? Well, and especially, like, I can't imagine him getting mad at, like, in front of the whole class about somebody not being there, you know? Yeah, exactly. He just does not seem to really, like, have the angry emotion, though. Right, I, exactly. Um, so, the, anyway, they head off to divination. And uh-huh. this is another great scene. I mean... Yes. Stands out as a really funny memory and... In my head, at least. Yes, definitely. I hadn't realized it was already um, going to be Easter time, but of course, this is a really memorable moment once you realize what time it is. Right. So it starts out, and actually, the whole scene is really funny—not just Hermione quitting, but like just the whole build-up. They they enter the room, and I think it's partially helped along by the fact that Ron and Hermione are friends again. So like they're just in a really good mood and like really feeding off of each other's energies. And Ron has just been coming off of these cheering charms too. So yeah, true. They're like high on cheering charms. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, Professor Trelawney is like, we're going to be starting crystal balls. And, uh, the reason that she's starting crystal balls is she says she's decided to introduce the crystal ball a little earlier than she had planned because the fates have informed her that her examination in June will concern the orb. <laughs> so funny, like exact, like how Hermione points out immediately that, of course, she's the one who sets the examination date, so that's why she's aware of when the exam is going to be. Right, exactly. I, it's so funny, like, just how she makes these, like, really silly predictions. Like, right. you don't really need to make a prediction when it's your own test that you're writing. Right. <laughs> Um, so she's just being, like, really, really, like, dreamy and talking in this goofy voice, and Harry and Ron and Hermione are all just, like, trying not to laugh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love it. It's just so great to see Ron and Hermione and Harry all together again, getting along, having such a good time together. Yeah. And they're just, they're really goofing off. I mean, they I kind of can relate. I mean, and I think this is another realistic scene because I can definitely relate to, like, the trying to not goof off in class. <laughs> yes. But, like, you keep on looking at your friend and laughing and, like... Yes, it just makes it even funnier. St- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so Harry's trying to read the crystal ball and 
He said it's hard because he's trying to keep his mind empty, but thoughts such as, this is stupid, kept drifting across it. (laughs) That's a really funny line. It kind of reminds me of how I feel when I try to do yoga. (laughs) Yes, so why don't you tell about your experience with the yoga class that you had to take? Well, I don't know. What, What do you want me to tell? Well, just that you were in this yoga class with three of your friends, right? Three or... Yeah, this was in, I was in high school, and three, it was, there was either three of us or four of us at the different classes, and um, it was in this lady's basement, and it was just us and her in, like, this one, it was not a very big room, it was, like, a little family room Uh in somebody's house, and we would have to do yoga, and she was a strange person, let's just say that, (laughs) and we, we would always end up, like, looking at each other out of the corner of our eye and just, like, starting to laugh, but it was really awkward because there were only, like, three of us there. Uh Uh-huh. And it was so, like, the whole time we were supposed to be relaxing and doing yoga, but we would always just be, like, on the verge of breaking into laughter. You probably ended up actually getting, like, a pretty good ab workout by, like, (laughs) trying to keep your laughs, uh, silent. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. But yeah, I just remember, like, one time my friend and I, we were supposed to, like, hold on to each other's arms and, like, do this, like, stretch where we, like, leaned back, like, sort of, like, pulling on each other's weight or something. Mm-hmm. We just both started laughing so hard. <laughs> we just could not stop and, like, could kind of, like, since we were, like, holding arms, we could, like, feel each other laughing and it was just making it so much worse. And I remember, like, I started laughing so hard that I saw a tear drip onto the yoga mat. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it sounds dramatic. But it it definitely, it definitely was reminiscent of this scene, but I've had plenty of other experiences, like, in other classes, too. Right. Where I'm trying not to laugh. Yeah, and then just, yeah, we we both have had those moments together, too, so. Oh, yes, together a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we definitely can relate to Ron, Harry, and Hermione here. Yeah, and uh, so it's pretty funny, because... I guess Ron and Hermione are both, like, distracting Harriet in different ways. Because Ron keeps on, like, laughing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he's breaking into silent giggles. And Hermione keeps tutting. Yeah. <laughs> I, you don't like that the, the tutting is, or it's like when she says, tuh. No, to me that's different when she says, when she's tutting versus saying, tuh. Well, in it's the... like, if she said tut, it would be one thing. Well, you don't just say tut, you say tut tut. Well, if she said tut tut, I would prefer that over her saying tuh. Well, when she says tuh, um, Ron is like, "What are you tutting about?" So I think it's. I think the same she thing. says, "I think she says tuh." No, it's not. <laughs> you, you're. I don't know. You read too much into that. <laughs> um, but yeah, then Harry's like, "Have you seen anything to Ron?" And he's like, "Yeah, there's a burn on this table. Someone <laughs> spilled their candle." <laughs> And Hermione's complaining about what a waste of time it is because, you know, she's concerned she missed the cheering charms. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Professor Trelawney says, would anyone like me to help them interpret the shadowy portents within their orb? <laughs> and Ron goes, this is my favorite line from Ron. He goes, I don't need help. It's obvious what this means. There's going to be loads of fog tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a pretty witty line from Ron that we don't always see him being super witty we see him more being the kind of the more obvious jabs early in these earlier books especially I think um, but Ron definitely um, has a really good burn there not burn but you know he's actually being very clever with that joke 
Yeah, I mean, I think actually divination brings the side out of in him a lot. So, <laughs> so, so I I love Ron and divination. It's always really funny. Yes. Um. But yeah, so then Pro- Professor Trelawney is like, she comes over. She's kind of annoyed. She's super annoyed at Harry, Ron, and Hermione for goofing off. And mm-hmm. she comes over to them and she's trying to like read Harry's crystal ball. And then she starts to act like. She's about to see the Grim, and Hermione. This is when Hermione just breaks, and she's like, "Oh, for goodness' sake, not that ridiculous Grim again!" <laughs> and then uh, Professor Trelawney is like really mad at Hermione, so she reacts by being like, "And I actually, it's really funny the way she phrases it." She says, "I am sorry to say that from the moment you arrived in this class, my dear, it has been apparent that you do not have what the noble art of divination requires." Indeed, I don't remember ever meeting a student whose mind was so hopelessly mundane. <laughs> so rude. <laughs> it is. But yeah, Just Hermione's like, like, I've had enough of this, basically. Yeah, well, Hermione definitely does not have a mundane mind. No, that's the opposite of what her mind is. <laughs> yeah, it's like too logical, I think, is what Professor Trelawney doesn't like. Yeah, but I mean... I don't know, it's just mundane is a funny word to think of Hermione's mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then Hermione stands up and she's like, I'm leaving. I'm I'm done here. Mm-hmm. And she just storms out of the class and everyone is like shell-shocked. Yes, and I'm like, yes, queen. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's for the best because Hermione definitely has her plate very full. Yes. And she hates divination, so. Yeah, she does not need that. No. Um, and then just to, like, seal up the class, uh, Lavender realizes that Professor Trelawney predicted the fact that Hermione would be leaving. Yes. Around Easter, one of our number will leave us forever. And indeed, Professor Trelawney knew that Miss Granger was not going to be in the class forever. She gives her- Lavender a dewy smile. I love that expression. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> uh, and she says the inner eye can be a burden. And Parvati, or Parvati and Lavender are super impressed. <laughs> Deeply uh, impressed. <laughs> but yeah, so then Hermione's gone, and that kind of wraps up the whole scene. So I love Ron goes, someday Hermione's having a, to Harry. And says he's, yeah. he's looking odd. Like, not ODD. Odd. I can't, I can, I can't differentiate. Odd. Odd. Yeah, he's <laughs> looking very odd. <laughs> yes, he, he, uh, yeah. He's just really admiring Hermione a lot today, I think. Yeah. And it's funny. And I just, it's really fun to just read these scenes where, like, you can just tell that the three of them are really friends again and having fun together. Exactly. Um, Harry, of course, has a little bit of an emo moment at the end of this scene, though. Yeah. Um, He's he's really concerned about the Grimm. Yeah, he's like... Did she really see the Grimm again? Is this going to affect the Quidditch game? <laughs> I mean, okay, I I would want to be kind of hard on him here because, like, it, I mean, he should know that Professor Trelawney, I... like, is a fraud. Right. But at the same time, he has seen the Grimm. Yeah. Himself. So it's a little bit, I'd be a little bit freaked out, too, I think. Yeah, you would. You're very superstitious. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it's not like he... Like, her predictions have never had any merit, I guess. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, well, it's not really her predictions. I guess she's she's made some coincidental predictions that have come true, like Hermione and Binky. Yeah. But, like, 
I think just I don't know. I think the fact that he's also seen the Grim and like she didn't That's know what I that mean, he had, actually like she didn't ever know that he had seen the Grim. Right. That's... So it kind. Of, like, it, that's a little bit too much of a coincidence. Right, that's what I meant by her predictions. I mean, every time she's predicted that he has the Grim, like, he actually does end up seeing the Grim really soon after. So, I yeah. mean, even in this scene, he does. Mm-hmm. Right, so, um, anyway, then, time kind of speeds forward here, and we go into the Easter holidays, and it says that they're not very relaxing, because the third years have so much homework, those poor 13-year-olds. <laughs> Much more than they had when they were 12 or 11. Poor things. They're, they are just so overworked. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Neville said, Neville is close to a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Sad. I can kind of understand that, though, considering, like, all he's been through this school year. Yeah, he has not had a great year. Um, I think he's had a kind of... a lots of really ups and downs you know he's had when he's when he's been having good times they've been really good like with the whole bogart thing mm-hmm. um but then the bad that was short lived <laughs> yeah the bad times have been very very bad too so exactly um but so and hermione of course is very overworked with all her classes and ron though has taken over as the head hippogriff investigator Trying to prepare for Buckbeak's appeal. Right, which is nice. He's definitely trying to make up for the lost time that he was not helping out at all. I know, it's like a little bit of overcompensation, I think. Yeah, I mean, it says, like, he's never seen without these books that are, like, my favorite is Foul or Foul? (laughs) A study of hippogriff brutality. (laughs) And it says he's so absorbed he even forgets to be horrible to Crookshanks. Good, I'm glad he's not being horrible to a cat anymore. A little bit uh sad that it's he's only not being horrible to Crookshanks because he's forgetting to not be horrible to Crookshanks, but no. still it's nice to see he's not being as horrible as he was, I guess. Yeah. Um and then Harry is just like completely absorbed in Quidditch practice and I guess we we talked a little bit about this previously, like how exactly it works with the Quidditch Cup because there's a the whole point thing that plays into it. Yes. So it says that Slytherin is leading the tournament by exactly 200 points. So in order to win, they're going to have to wait for the snitch, or before, Harry will have to wait to catch the snitch until Gryffindor has at least 50 points. Mm-hmm. So it's confusing. Yeah, so more than 50 points, not at least, because they're then they would right. tie if they had 50 right. points. Um, so... Because they could win the match and lose the cup if they right. do it that way. Right. So so yeah. it's not it's not like a winner take all type of like situation. I think with these games, it's more of like they actually look at the point total, and then in the end, the total points is what determines who wins the Quidditch Cup. Right. So that that is exactly how it is, which we we've been confused about, but they do kind of explain a little bit better here than they have before. Yeah, so Wood's kind of, like, just talking in circles to Harry. He's like, so if you you must catch it only if we're more than 50 points up. Mm. Only if we're more than 50 points up, Harry, or we win the match but lose the cup. You've got that, haven't you? You must catch the snitch only if we're... <laughs> He's like, I know, Oliver. <laughs> so it's just funny how, like, he just keeps talking in circles. Yes. He's a crazy person. He's kind of cracking up a little bit here. Yes, and we see that later on in the chapter, too. Uh, We do get an interesting side note here about uh, when the last time it was that Gryffindor won the Quidditch Cup. And we talked a little bit about this earlier in the book. 
But here it says Gryffindor hadn't won the Quidditch Cup since the legendary Charlie Weasley had been Seeker. But it doesn't say what year of his year as Seeker. Right, but it can only be his second year on the team, which doesn't really make that much sense um, because of the timeline. This is the eighth year that they've not won the Quidditch Cup, and eight years ago is when Charlie Weasley was a second year. Um, this is that that article that we talked about after we had some confusion over the timeline. and um, Yeah, so it, it has to have been when Charlie Weasley was a second year, which it, it is... It is um, viable the way that it's worded here because it doesn't say since Charlie Weasley had been captain it says since he was seeker so mm-hmm. I think it's, it's just yeah. it's weird that Charlie Weasley was so legendary if he only ever won the Quidditch Cup once I know that's why it doesn't really make that much sense yeah um, but anyway so they haven't won the in the Quidditch Cup in forever and yeah Harry says that he doesn't even think that Wood wants to win as much as he does I don't know I, I, think I think Wood wants, wants to win. To win. <laughs> but Harry's just, like, really desperate to beat Malfoy because they have their rivalry going strong, of course. Right. It says that it's uh, more worse than ever or something like that. It's, uh... Yeah, they're, they're, the, enmity, the enmity between Harry and Malfoy was at its highest point ever. <laughs> yeah, because Malfoy's really mad that Harry threw mud at him in Hogsmeade and, and didn't get in trouble. That he was able to worm his way out of that punishment. Yeah. Um, and then, I guess, Buckbeak is the main reason that Harry is really wanting to beat Malfoy, because he's really mad about the whole Buckbeak thing, which I can understand. For reason, yeah. Um, but it's funny here how how the whole school is super involved in the match coming up. Like, the whole school is just, like, on pins and needles to see who's going to win. Right. And it says that some small scuffles have broken out in the corridors. <laughs> it's very, I mean, it's a very important match, I guess. Yeah, it culminates in a nasty event in which a Gryffindor fourth year and a Slytherin sixth year end up in the hospital wing with leaks sprouting out their ears. Gross. <laughs> I never noticed that before. <laughs> um, and then Harry, in particular, has to be escorted between classes by groups of Gryffindors, and so it says that Gryffindor House took up the challenge enthusiastically. <laughs> it's pretty pretty dramatic. I like how it says it's because uh, he Harry couldn't walk to class without Slytherin sticking out their legs trying to trip him up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Goofy. They're so, like, intense about it. Yes. Um... So, and then Harry just keeps it, he's, like, really paranoid about his firebolt because he knows that's really, like, his ticket to winning. Right. Like we said, he's purchased his way to the win. <laughs> yes, and I mean, he's a good player, but he also has this big advantage in having the best broom in the world. He keeps on dashing up to Gryffindor Tower to make sure that the firebolt is still safe. I know, it's funny. Couldn't he get, like, a broomstick lock or something, like a bike lock? Well, it says he's locked it securely in his trunk, but cl- apparently that's not secure enough for him to rest easy. <laughs> yeah, he's just super nerve-wracked, or super uh, racked with anxiety. Yeah. Um, so the night before the match is, like, really high tensions, and Hermione can't even study. She can't concentrate at all. And yeah, yeah. She, even she put her book away. Right. And then my favorite my favorite person uh, in this scene, of course, is Oliver Wood, because he's sitting crouched over a Quidditch field in the corner, prodding little figures across it with his <laughs> wand and muttering to himself. It's very goofy. <laughs> Um, I just love how intense it is. Like, 
He's acting like he's like a pro athlete or something. I know. Like, I mean, it makes sense that he do- he does go on to play Quidditch professionally or yeah, for whatever team he ends up on because he's he's so serious about it. Mhm. Um, but then finally he he tells the whole team like it's bedtime, so he sends everyone off to bed. Yeah. Team bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love how like I don't know. It's just funny how much control he has over them. I know. Um, so then Harry goes to bed and he sleeps really badly and he has all these dreams and yeah, really he, bad dreams. Like these are some of my favorite dreams. Like these are some of my favorite dreams that Harry ever has, though. Actually, yeah, they're really funny. Um, the first one he dreams that he forgets or he oversleeps and then, like, first of all, it's not very realistic. Somebody would wake him up. But instead, Wood is, like, yelling at him and saying we would have to use Neville. They had to use Neville instead. Yeah, like, he he oversleeps so much that he actually, like, misses the match entirely. And um, Mm -hmm. he's just finding out after the match that they had to use Neville instead, which is a (laughs) poor Neville. And then he dreams that Malfoy and the rest of the Slytherins arrive on the match riding dragons. (laughs) And it says he's riding at breakneck speed, trying to avoid some flames. When he realized he forgotten his firebolt and he falls out of the sky. Yeah, that's that's the funniest part, I think. Yes. Um. So anyway, Harry wakes up with a start, and I can definitely relate to that feeling. Yes, for sure. Especially like when you're having a dream that you're falling. Usually, you're gonna wake up really fast. Right. So he wakes up and and he he feels really thirsty, and I love this scene for some reason because he gets up. And he goes to pour himself some water from the silver jug beneath the window. Yeah, I didn't know that there was uh, just a, a supply of water in a silver jug beneath the window of the boys' com or the boys' dormitory. It's just it's just uh, interesting because you know now like that there must be house elves that are filling that up and yeah. replacing it. Yeah, <laughs> must be pretty nice to live in a setting where you're like you have like constant maid service. Yeah, I'm sure that is nice. <laughs> <laughs> you probably uh, have experienced something closer to that than I have ever, <laughs> living with when? me. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> when we were little, we used to play this game called Rich Lady and Her Slave, and guess who was who every time. <laughs> it wouldn't make sense for me to be the servant. It wasn't a slave, first of all. You were the servant. Are you sure? Yes, because... Mm. It was it was not taking place in a slave society. Okay. <laughs> it was a I was, feudal you were society. Just, you were the like one of the housekeepers. Uh-huh. She'd just like order me around. We actually might may have told this story on the show before. Um now that I'm thinking about it. But probably we have. It's it, probably one of our best. Yes. It's really the <laughs> most indicative of our relationship. <laughs> so yeah, but that was more of that was like a it wasn't like my constant life. That was just like when we would play that game. Oh right, because when you, <laughs> when we weren't playing that game, I would just not ever do anything for you. <laughs> uh, this so is why I let you live with right me now. sometimes. Oh right, it's it's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ron. So Harry gets up and he's looking out at the out at the grounds, and. Like, everything is still, except for then all of a sudden he sees an animal running across the field, and he he thinks it might be the Grimm, but then he re- recognizes, recognizes it as Crookshanks, and then he sees the actual Grimm, or, I mean, we know it's serious, obviously. Right. And this is appears. weird, though, for him, because he's never really seen, like, 
the whole Grimm, like, moving. Like, he's seen the eyes of the Grimm and sort of, like, out of the corner of his eye, like, the body of the Grimm, but never, like, running away, right? Uh, I don't know. I, he saw the he saw the Grimm in the stands at the Quidditch match. Right, but it was it wasn't like running, you know. Like this, this is yeah. He, he watches the Grimm emerge from behind the bush, and he says like the thing that kind of throws Harry off in this scene is the fact that it's like interacting with Crookshanks. Yes, which is really like it's actually such a cute thing to imagine when it's now that cute, we know that it's not dangerous. It's kind of weird though because it's it's serious. Yes. So what is he doing running around playing with a random cat in the middle of the night? He's not playing with Crookshanks. He's <laughs> you, you know, they're talking about Wormtail. Are they actually talking? Yeah, Sirius later says when when they when he actually talks to Harry, he says that Crookshanks was really helpful and like talked would would update him with like news of what was going on. <laughs> So that's what's going on. They're not just playing. They're trying. They're trying to track down Wormtail, I guess. Yeah, Crookshanks. To me, like, like it seemed like Sirius was bored, so he was like playing with Crookshanks. <laughs> no, you know Crookshanks is part Neasel. He can communicate with other animals. Yeah. Okay. I I don't remember Sirius saying that Crookshanks would come to him with updates. Like I remember him saying like Crookshanks was helpful, but I don't know that they actually talk. They do. I know that. I'm 100% sure. In your mind, you're 100% sure. <laughs> you never trust me, do you? <laughs> when we get to that part, I want to specifically go over exactly what Crookshanks and Sirius did together. Okay, well, I think you're going to be the one who uh, is eating crow. I hope so, because that'd be cool. Then that, that would make me want to become an Animagus more. Yeah, but I'm surprised you are not remembering this. This is such a, like... No, I mean, I remember that Crookshanks, like, helped Sirius to find it, but I didn't ever interpret that as, like, Crookshanks was like, hey, gotta give you the lowdown on what's been going on <laughs> with that little rat. Well, it's not exactly like that, but he's definitely... <laughs> hey, hey, Sirius, over here. <laughs> <laughs> he's basically telling telling uh, Sirius that it's no use trying to go back into the castle looking for Wormtail. All the mouse holes are boarded up, so the rat isn't in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, makes me love Crookshanks, though. Me too. He's very smart I like smart cat. him as a, little, as a little spy. Yes, I love it. Going out to communicate, even with dogs. Yeah, he's like a police cat. <laughs> um, or yeah. detective cat. Cat detective. Crookshanks cat detective. <laughs> I just love, like... Meet me by the Whomping Willow. I'll fill you in on what's been going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, then Harry tries to wake up Ron so that he can get him to confirm whether or not he sees the Grimm. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I don't know. Harry's like, I need, you to I need you to tell me if you can see something. And Ron goes, saw dark, Harry. What are you out? What are you on about? <laughs> yeah, he's all, he, he mutters that thickly. It's kind of a gross adverb for that. <laughs> yeah, I picture him like... Phlegm. I, I just imagine him having, like, really gross morning breath. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, so then Harry goes, no, over here, down, like, down outside the window, and Ron, and then Ron just falls back asleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this reminds me of when I'm trying to talk to my husband when he's asleep. Yes, <laughs> me too. When I when I was staying with you guys, he he 
is very uh when he's asleep he he doesn't wake up very easily so <laughs> i one time i was like okay time to go to bed paul like because he was sleeping on the couch and i was like okay we're, we're all going to bed now and he was like oh can you not talk so loudly <laughs> i was like i'm not talking loudly and he's like just fyi it's very loud <laughs> so yeah it's very similar doesn't make the most sense and then just like will fall asleep before you've had a chance to wake him up like for me like if somebody wakes me up I'm like immediately wide awake yes me too actually and I like I'm aware of all my surroundings and I'm not like I don't I don't require like five minutes to crawl out of the dark hole yes <laughs> you know but some people do and Ron is one of them um, so anyway, then Harry, I guess, goes back to bed. Uh, it doesn't really say, but I'm assuming he does. And goes back to sleep until the next morning. And he, he gets up and he and the Gryffindor team are treated like celebrities. As they enter the Great Hall, they're greeted to enor- an enormous round of applause. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fun. Like, clearly Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw, are, for the most part, are all on Gryffindor's side as well. Yeah, it says that Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw are also applauding. Yeah. And then as they walk by, the Slytherin table hisses loudly. (laughs) That's a really weird word for what they're, I mean. Yeah. What do you picture that sounding like? Like, no, no, I'm not like that. (laughs) Maybe it's more like, is it like a snake hissing? Like Like that? Maybe they're like, yeah, maybe. Seems weird. Maybe hissing is more in the sense of just, like, them being, like, I don't know. I just can't really picture it too well. It's not like a cat, like, <sighs> no, I don't think so. It's probably it's probably more that kind of, like, boo hiss, which I hate when people say that, but. <laughs> <laughs> They're all just, like, boo hiss. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But anyway, Slytherin hisses, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they try to eat breakfast, and Wood is trying to urge other people to eat, but he himself doesn't even take a bite. Mm-hmm. Poor, and poor then, Harry. No, that's Wood. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Harry probably had a huge appetite. He probably ate a bunch of treacle. Yeah, we don't get any information of what Harry's uh, pre-Quidditch breakfast is here. Normally we do. Yeah. He normally does toast. <laughs> a and bit of toast. Something. Just a bit of toast. <laughs> That's what Hermione will wheedle at him usually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, then Cho says, good luck, Harry. Mm-hmm. And Harry feels himself blushing. Yes, it's funny. Um, I think, do you think Harry's probably not that uh, subtle about how he feels about Cho, right? I don't know. It sounds like like she shouts it out from across the Great Hall. (laughs) Yeah, but I feel like she kind of knows that he thinks she's pretty, like, by the way that she, the way that he behaved around her at the last match. Yeah, probably. So I think he's kind of, she's kind of playing along a little bit. Yeah, like, why else would she shout out, good luck, Harry? Yeah, exactly. Um, Then Wood is, like, analyzing the conditions, and he's just being super goofy, like, no wind to speak of. Sun's a bit bright. That could impair your vision. Watch out for it. Like, I think they can tell that the sun is kind of bright, Wood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he they says can that tell the, that there's no wind. And he says that the ground is fairly hard. That, <laughs> and that's good because that'll give them a fast kickoff. Mm-hmm. Is it really that much faster if the ground is, like, if the ground is hard versus if the ground is, like, a little bit soft? What's up at the, the 
pay, uh, the 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 field, and he's like, "His firm." <laughs> <laughs> That's a um, hocus pocus reference for those who may not know. Yeah, probably that was most people, considering it's a pretty deep cut reference. <laughs> yes, we'll have to do a hocus pocus sorting next Halloween. <sighs> Yes, we both love that movie so much. <laughs> I'm sure that Paul would love to come on for that. Definitely. Um, but yeah, so then the, they go to the locker rooms and they're looking out in the field and they see some cool signs. We don't get any Potter for president, unfortunately. Unfortunately, but we get lions for the cup. <laughs> the weirdest one. I think it's better than li- than uh, Potter for president, though. It definitely makes more sense considering where they are. <laughs> Yes, and uh, it's not as lame. Yeah. <laughs> Still fairly lame. But... I wonder, do you think D- Dean Thomas, he's good with the quill, do you think he made any of these? Mm, I don't know. He's pro- he probably pulled out the old Potter for President sign. Probably, they just decided not to mention it. I do like how it says that three quarters of the crowd were wearing scarlet rosettes and waving scarlet flags. Um, so <laughs> clearly all of Ravenclaw and all of Hufflepuff are on Gryffindor's side. Right. Um, so, like, the, they go out onto the field, and Lee Jordan, this whole game, has a lot of trouble being pretty biased. Yes. <laughs> um, and he's like, as the Gryffindor team walks on, he goes, widely acknowledged as the best team Hogwarts has seen in a good few years. Yeah, Slytherin's like, Slytherin hisses. Yeah. And then the Slytherin team comes out, and he has a pretty good burn on them. He says... Uh, here comes the Slytherin team, led by Captain Flint. He's made some changes in the lineup, and it seems to be going for size rather than skill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a pretty good burn. Yeah. And it says that Harry says that he has a pretty good point because Malfoy is way smaller than the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the captains shake hands, and it says that Flint, Flint and Wood look like they're trying to break each other's fingers. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, like, uh, Flint is doing it and Wood's doing it back, of course. Yeah. Um, and then they get up into the air and they get off to a pretty good start because the Gryffindor scores right off the bat. And But it seems like, I guess, this game, like, Slytherin has just really decided that they're going to go as low as they can. They are really, I mean, it's some of the, like, what does Madame Hooch say? Some of the, um, I don't remember what she says exactly. Um... But they they keep on, like, fouling the Gryffindors on purpose. And then they keep on... So Gryffindor keeps getting penalty shots, but sometimes they're too mad to, like, actually make the shots. Yeah, or um, then Slytherin gets a penalty shot because Gryffindor is also um, mad, mad enough to retaliate. Right. Um, so Harry's just, like, flying around. He's trying to make sure that, that Malfoy doesn't catch the snitch bef- before they get to 50 points. Right. Um... And so he's waiting, but they keep scoring, and then occasionally Slytherin will score, so it goes back and forth for a little while, and it's a pretty exciting scene to read, I have to say. I mean, especially for Quidditch. I think so, too. And, of course, as usual, Lee Jordan's exchanges between him and McGonagall make this even funnier. Um, Yes. Like, I I, I like when, um, after they, they have, like... They, they make a penalty shot, and um, Lee is, like, shouting, You cheating scum! And it says Professor McGonagall didn't even bother telling him off because she's shaking her finger in Malfoy's direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she starts. it starts out where she is trying to get him to be good, and then 
they just start getting so like they're playing so dirty that now yeah. or that Professor McGonagall can't even like handle it. Yeah, it says it, she was actually shaking her finger in Malfoy's direction. Her hat had fallen off, and she too was shouting furiously. <laughs> um, that's right after Malfoy tried, like as Harry was diving for the snitch, and he almost got the snitch, and then Malfoy um starts pulling on the the firebolt's tail and yeah. pulling it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Madame Hooch is like, I've never seen such tactics. <laughs> she screeches that. I think, yeah, the the game is definitely fun, but I, I just love these um, moments with Lee and McGonagall and Madame Hooch as well. True. Um, so then Angelina goes to try to score again, and Harry's, like, trying to help her out because he sees all these Slytherins tailing her. So he dives at them and you know, successfully breaks them up. She scores, and then uh, right after that, Harry notices that Malfoy is in a dive for the snitch. Yeah, it's one of those, I feel like oftentimes they, like, think that they're going to win, and then Harry, like, realizes that the other seeker found the snitch before he does, and he's like, oh no, it was all for naught. But luckily, he's a really good flyer, so it doesn't really matter if he sees the snitch first, as long as he's able to catch up to whoever did see the snitch first. Luckily, he has the most expensive broom out there, so he'll be able to fly faster. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like if you were, like, car racing or something, and, you know, one person had, like, this super fancy brand new car, and somebody else just had, like, a random old car from, like, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Just does not seem fair. Yeah. <laughs> really doesn't, um, but I'm, I'm okay with it, because it's Harry. <laughs> yeah, so Malfoy is diving for the snitch, and then Harry, like, zooms over and overtakes him, and he is able to emerge with catching the snitch. Mm-hmm. And this is a really good scene. I'll just this go is ahead when and I was crying. I'll just go ahead and read. Do you want me to read a big section of this? Yeah, read just... the big section. It's great. I probably will start crying. It says, "Then Wood was speeding toward him, half blinded by tears. He seized Harry around the neck and sobbed unrestrainedly into his shoulder. Harry read uh, felt two large thumps as Fred and George hit them. <laughs> then Angelina's, Alicia's, and Katie's voices, "We've won the cup. We've won the cup." Tangled together in a many-armed hug, the Gryffindor team sank, yelling hoarsely back to Earth. And then it gets even more emotional as uh, people start charging onto the field and hands are raining down on their backs and he sees Hagrid who shouts out, You beat him, Harry! You beat him! This is the saddest part. He says, wait till I tell Buckbeak. (laughs) My favorite is... um... As if Buckbeak cares, though. But anyway. Well, so then it says, Percy's been jumping up and down like a maniac, all dignity forgotten. And then Professor McGonagall, my favorite. She's sobbing harder even than Wood, um, wiping her eyes with an enormous Gryffindor flag. Um... It's just, you sound like you're on the verge of tears. I am on the verge of tears. This is such a, such an emotional, so happy. Um, I feel like I'm there, too. She just she just transports her reader into this scene so well. It is. It's, it really is a good scene. I mean, it says then Hermione, Ron and Hermione were there uh, fighting their way toward Harry, and words failed them. They simply beamed at Harry, and he was borne toward the stands where Dumbledore stood waiting with the enormous Quidditch cup. Yeah, they're friends again. <laughs> Martha. <laughs> how how much better is this moment um just based on the fact that Ron and Hermione are friends again? Like Yeah. I mean It is. I mean it would not be the same if they weren't no. friends. Anymore. But would... here's the other thing that this scene makes me pretty emotional too, just because when you think about it, 
in the course of the series, I see it as a very major turning point because this is really the last happy moment that Harry and Ron and Hermione have before Wormtail heads off to yeah. find Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Because our, is... our next chapter is Professor Trelawney's prediction. So this is really the last scene where it's sort of like pre-Voldemort's rise to power. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's going to be other times, but I think this is the very last, like innocent happiness scene that we get in the book yeah i think you're right and i mean you could even say the last innocent happiness scene of the series because i mean exactly that's what i meant of the series sorry yeah Yeah, no i and i think that that's it's really powerful for that i mean and it's it's really happy but in a way that you're not going to get again just because i mean you'll you'll get other really happy scenes Mm -hmm. but they're always sort of clouded by something yeah and that's a really good point um and you don't notice that you don't know that the first time you read this, so I think this chapter is even better on a reread because you can kind of think about it that way, and that yeah. makes it even more bittersweet and powerful. Right, and I just I love this scene. I mean, it's just so happy. The whole chapter was really fun. Um, Hermione was amazing, and Trelawney was hilarious, and the whole thing is just great. And you're just so happy for Wood because you know that's what he wanted, and yeah. it's great to know that. Malfoy didn't win. And... I love the the image of Wood sobbing unrestrainedly into Harry's shoulder. Like he's just like it's <laughs> the same thing as the "That's my boy" when he's shouting that. You know, Harry and Wood have. I mean, they have a great friendship. I think. And I, <laughs> well, I don't know about friendship. It's more of like Harry was the seeker that had been promised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the chosen seeker. Yeah. So Wood. Love the fact that he had this amazing secret on his team for a while. Yeah, I mean, but Wood really does love Harry. Well, yeah, but he mostly loves him for his seeking abilities. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> you still sound like you're on the verge of tears, Martha. I, I mean, yes, I'm definitely still a little bit upset, but I, I'll, I will <laughs> use this moment to say that I did um, find the moment in uh, Chapter 19 where they, where Sirius says that Crookshanks communicated with him. What's uh, he say? He says... Um, he's the most intelligent cat I've ever met. He recognized Peter for what he was right away, and when he met me, he knew I was no dog. It was a while before he trusted me. Finally, I managed to communicate to him what I was after, and he's been helping me. That is not the same as Crookshanks was updating me on the Scabbers' situation. Yes, it is. It it says that, it sounds to the way I interpreted that was that Sirius was communicating to Crookshanks. Okay, want me to keep going? This cat, Crookshanks, did you call him? Told me Peter had left blood on the sheets. <laughs> Told <Yeah>. me. <laughs> okay. Hey, 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 Sirius. <laughs> Got an update. Yo. <laughs> Yo, boss. <laughs> There's been some blood spotted on the sheets. It looks like uh, the little rat may have been faking an injury. P- perhaps death. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose he bit himself. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I rest my case. Yeah, you're right. But I kind of see it as a little bit of a happy medium between the two theories. Because oh, What a surprise that you see it that way. <laughs> you like to choose the way you see things. And it's well, usually to I your am, advantage. I am happy to hear that Sirius said that Crookshanks is the smartest cat he's ever met. Yes. That's most really intelligent, cute. yes. Yeah. But anyway, back to this chapter, Martha. Um, where do you think it ranks? It was a great chapter. I don't think it was better than Snape's Grudge. Are you serious? Yes. It was way better than Snape's Grudge. 
why? This has been the most emotional chapter we've seen as far as like a high. But and it's... it was it had these mo- had way better moments with Hermione slapping Malfoy and Hermione okay. quitting divination. Are we ranking happiest chapters or best say, chapters? Okay, I also said it had better moments in that in Hermione slapping Malfoy and leaving divination. Better moments. What happened in Snape's grudge that was so interesting to you? All this stuff about Snape and the past and all of that is just so, I think, so good. And the, the relationship between Snape and Lupin and Lupin lecturing Harry, kind of trying to get Harry back. Harry thinking um, thinking clearly, Hagrid's confronting ha- Harry and Ron. Um, I just think definitely I, I, higher um, no. highs in this chapter. But the, I This is, to me, the best chapter of the book so far. Better than the Marauder's Map, too? Definitely better than the Marauder's Map, too. So far in this book, like, I don't know, they're just... I feel like this is at... This is the high point of the book for me. Yeah, but it's... it's a, it's a really happy chapter, and it has great moments, too, but I just don't think it's that deep, and I don't think it's that important and as far as the overarching story of Harry Potter is, as far as, you know, in comparison to the Marauder's Map, where we get well, the think backstory about, the, about Sirius. I just think, like, if it was just the Quidditch final, I would agree with you. But... I think, like, coupled with the fact that we have these iconic scenes of Hermione really, like, coming into her own and the fact that I'm not willing to rank this chapter lower than Snape's grudge because Hermione and Ron were in such a big fight and Ron was being so insufferable in Snape's grudge. I know, grudge. but I think, like, I'm just saying, I think we have different ideas of how we are ranking chapters. Are we ranking them for having, you know, super, super good moments in terms of how happy we are or how it, well written and uh, developed each of the chapters is? Like, this, this has... A, I agree it has great moments. I loved the chapter, but I I just think it's a lot of plot and Ooh. and a lot of like I, humor and stuff, but it doesn't have the the same impact that I think that both the Marauder's Map and Snape's Grudge have. I I guess that's true. But I just it's really like to me it is partially about our reaction to the chapter, like okay. our feelings well, as we read them. I I guess I would be willing to compromise and not put it in very first place, even though I think that's really not accurate. But <laughs> I, I don't want to put it ahead of a chapter where Ron and Hermione were in okay. a big fight. Well, second would be okay with me. I just think that the Marauder's Map, we were talking about the, the reaction we have. I mean, maybe, maybe this has a more, more of a tangible reaction the first, the, on a reread than the Marauder's Map does. But can you remember the shock value when you learned the alleged backstory of Sirius's betrayal of the Potters? I mean, that, That's I just true. remember, that hit me so hard the first right. time I and read it. Right, and on a reread value, that does not hold up because you know it's not true anymore. Right, but, but still, I mean, you're, you see how Harry reacts and you've got to really feel bad for him thinking that this is the truth. Yeah, and... I guess you're just like more emo scenes than I do. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know that about me. I, I just think <laughs> I think that this chapter. I mean, I'm not denying it's a fantastic chapter. I just think that I I don't always like to say just a super happy chapter should be. Okay, better but than... it wasn't just happy. Like I don't think that I'm not saying it was the best because it was happy. I just think that it was a very powerful scene. Okay, well, I, I would prefer to put it in second place. Okay, well, second place is okay. I don't think it's right, but I think it's okay. I'm not going to put it uh, below Snape's Grudge. I, like, Snape, Snape's Grudge was was pretty good, but not. I just think this was a better chapter. Okay, well, I... It was a much more emotional chapter. 
that's probably true. I was emotional in terms of my anger that I felt towards Ron, but right. in last, the last chapter. Yeah, it's just frustrating when you're, that's the main feeling. Yeah, obviously, but I, I mean, I don't so think I, that... It's hard for me to rank a chapter at the very top if, it, if the main feeling, the main emotion is frustration okay. and annoyance with Harry and Ron. So then we'll put this one above that, but I think that okay. the... The main emotion of the Marauder's Map is, for the first time, it's shock, and the, I mean, the rest of it... The second time, it's like, huh, Harry, you're kind of dumb. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, it's not. I think it's just, yeah, I think the Marauder's Map should still be number one. Okay, we can leave it there, but I think I think they're going to be replacing other ones. I think so, t- I mean, well, yeah, the end of this book is amazing, so I think all all i mean maybe not professor trelawney's prediction although that's a great chapter too but cat rat and dog moony wormtail padfoot and prongs servant of lord voldemort hermione's secret those are all fantastic chapters so i'm pretty sure that these these top three right now are not going to be even top half maybe (laughs) no they won't be top half but (laughs) we'll have to see i guess because i just i just remember how much i love these last chapters of the book i'm really excited for them yeah Okay, uh, who do you think should get the real weirdo in this chapter, Martha? Um, I think there's a couple contenders. Uh, Hermione definitely has great moments, and we haven't given to, given it to her this book. We haven't given it to Ron either at all this book. Um, so, I mean, I would be okay with giving it to her. I think we could also give it to either McGonagall or Lee Jordan um, for being really funny in the match. But um, Yeah, I kind of think we have to give it to Hermione just because Yeah, she, I mean, she had some really important moments for herself in this chapter with both the Malfoy scene and the Trelawney scene so yeah I think I mean because of course she hasn't even gotten to this book so let's give it to her that's I think that's a good I mean and it's just we're seeing a different side of Hermione than we have yeah exactly the confidence and the um you know she's she's not afraid to tell people or tell people like they're being you know call people out (laughs) yeah exactly um so all right well Hermione will get the real weirdo for the book Okay, um... For the chapter. Oh, for the chapter, yeah. Um, <laughs> Maybe the book. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, just a reminder, you can find those lists on our website, realweirdsisters.com, and you can also join us on Twitter at realweirdsister or on Facebook, facebook.com slash realweirdsisters. Um, just a reminder to please subscribe to us on iTunes and rate and review us if you haven't yet. Um... This is our last one that we are pre-recording before Martha leaves for Germany. So uh, starting with next week's episodes, we're going to be hopefully in more of a live type setting. It's not going to be quite back to normal because uh, just with the time difference and making sure we want to get the episodes to you in a timely manner. So we don't want to be recording down at the last second with all those factors. Um, But we're going to be a little bit more in real time. So it's kind of interesting because we've been doing so many back-to-back here, and now we're going to have a a break between this and the next one. But we are doing our very, very best to make sure we continue to get episodes out every Monday um, at that consistent rate, and we will still have some special topics episodes that will be released periodically, but probably not quite as many as we had in the past year. Yeah. For the next Um, couple months, at least. And Martha's just going to be there through the end of July, so after she's back in America, then we will, you know, really come back full force with just as many special topics as we've had previously and stuff. It's just this temporary couple months while she's over in Germany. Right. So, yeah, I uh, am looking forward to progressing on to the next book. It's going to be weird because, I mean, for the listeners, there's not going to be any break between this chapter and the next one, hopefully. Right. Um, 
but for us, it's going to be kind of a while. So um, I'll be looking forward to the next time we talk about Harry Potter. Mm-hmm, me too. <laughs> and until then, we're the Real Weird Sisters. We're the weird sisters, we're the real weird sisters. All you other weird sisters are fine, but not the victors. Will the real weird sisters please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.